Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of the All Out Football Podcast with your host, Will Luca. Uh, Ollie's going back uh, hosting sometime soon. At the moment, he's on holiday in Cornwall. So uh, happy holidays, Ollie, if you manage to listen to this episode. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back. you'll be back hosting some episodes soon. But for now, I'm joined by Sumit, who has been on the podcast before. He's been with me before to talk about uh, Premier League teams. And obviously, um, Sumit is based in the States. He's not based in the UK, but uh, welcome along Sumit again. And Tom Brill, who this is the first time for Tom. Uh, he is technically our new graphic designer. Isn't that right, Tom? Yeah, that's correct. And he's doing some graphic designs for the website, but he's also uh, asked if he can do the podcast as a guest as well. So welcome along, Tom. I'm sure you've got lots to say. And Tom, just for starters, for the for the um, people who listen to the podcast, you're a Spurs fan. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll touch on Spurs, actually, Tom, in, in this uh, podcast episode. But before I move, before I talk about Tottenham, Tom and Sumit, I'm going to... Uh, talk about some sort of breaking news as, as we record on Tuesday the 14th of December before uh, the midweek Premier League action gets underway. Uh, one of the big games uh, uh, that's played tonight is Manchester City v Leeds but one game which has been called off is Brentford v Manchester United. Now Tom this does link to Spurs because Spurs Europa, uh, Europa UEFA Conference League game last week against Rennes was called off because of Covid and then the Premier League game for Spurs scheduled for Sunday was Brighton away. That was called off. So, Tom, new COVID measures have been brought in that players and club staff will need to take a lateral flow test every day in order to get into training grounds as part of new measures that have been agreed. So, Tom, I suppose that in Spurs' case, this is a good thing to happen, but it's come too late for them. But in your eyes, Tom, I suppose that this is just, it's necessary and it's a reminder that, that COVID is, is nowhere near gone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's completely correct. And it's the um, what they have to do, what the players will have to do, the already mandatory uh, to what was the other test called? There's the lateral flow, and then there's the other tests. I can't remember what the other tests are called. But yeah, so they have to do the other two tests a week, as well as the week, the daily lateral flow tests. Uh, However, there's been uh, COVID outbreaks in the youth squads as well now. So the first team are, are now training on the uh, the training pitches, out the outside training pitches, but then the youth squads have now had to go home uh, due to an, uh, an outbreak in the uh, youth setup. Yeah, and I think let's just get some statistics here. Um, and I'll come to you soon. Is that the Premier League has confirmed on Monday there have been a record 42 positive cases over the previous seven days. That is the highest figure recorded since COVID testing began as part of the project restart during the 2019-20s and that's of course the season that got disrupted by lockdown uh, the first lockdown in March 2020 so most importantly I think as I said to Tom it's just it's just precautions and safety first basically that's what is important here. That's right Um, I think safety comes first um, you know and uh, as we move from level three to level four, right? Um, you know, uh, I think the safety of the players, the staff members, the um, you know public in general um, will be paramount. And I think uh, I would be surprised a lot of games during the you know busy holiday schedule 
being postponed, uh, you know, and uh, will be interesting to see how that uh, pans out. Yeah, I think most importantly, Tom, it's it's PCR tests. That was it, the test. The yeah, PCR tests. PCR tests and lateral flow tests are the, the two main types of tests you can take to find out if you've got, um, if you've tested positive for COVID. But I think, Tom, there are outbreaks at Spurs. There are outbreaks at Manchester United. The game against Brentford tonight, as we record, is, is not taking place. I think Norwich have had recently had a positive uh, yeah. COVID result. Norwich have had worries about it in terms of confirmed cases. Because, of course, they played Spurs in the Premier League a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? So that's why they have some worries. But, Tom, I, I suppose that one thing we have to... Um, sort of ask is previously players who tested positive with a rapid test then took a PCR test for confirmation of the result. I just wonder why why did they stop? It wasn't it hasn't been daily and it, they bring it back today. So why did they stop? It, it almost it more sinks if they let their guard down really. Um well I think it's just with the change of the regulations with the Premier League. Um I know that the, the PCR tests, they take a little while for the results to come back rather than the uh, lateral flow tests, which are pretty much an instant result. Um, so I think it's just a change in the regulations for, the, for, the co- for, for COVID. And in addition to the daily tests to get into training grounds, players and staff will now have a PCR test at least twice a week, which was the case last season. Right. before it was changed to lateral flows in the summer. So it's, it's the changing testing that has probably changed the attitude, really, that now we need more thorough tests to make sure players and staff don't get more positive cases. But um, Suma, another thing is that the additional measures will be implemented quickly with additional mask wearing, limiting of phys- physical treatment and social distancing also being advised for the staff at, at um, Premier League clubs. So again, it's safety first, but I also have to ask also both of you really, is that the, the when it comes not just to players, but to the crowd, to the stadiums, of course, new legislation uh, is is being voted through in, in the House of Commons in Westminster at the moment, is that, and it's it, actually that vote did go through tonight, is that spectators for football games will be required to show COVID-19 passports to attend sporting events with crowds of more than 10,000 people after MPs approved government plans. So, Sumit, I'll come to you first, then I'll come to you, Tom, for your reaction to that, is that, Sumit, again, there is an argument that COVID passports are discriminatory and lots of people don't like them, but I suppose... If COVID vaccine passports keep football stadiums open and keep crowds coming in instead of a full partial, well, a full lockdown where you can't have any football crowds in the stadiums, I suppose it's better than a full lockdown, really. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I really don't understand, you know, in a, in a crowded, uh, you know, area like a, a theatre or a stadium, right, where you have within a limited space so many people uh, the probability. I think that's the minimum, um, you know, um, thing that standards that you would like to execute, right? For example, right, uh, we are all going back from work from home to like going back to work, right? And before you go back to work, 
you have to show the proof that you have taken both the vaccines, right? And you have to basically show the passport and you know upload that to the you know um, you know uh, employee network, um, uh, you know, uh, and then you are allowed to get into work, right? And there have been cases here in New York that people didn't follow that and they were immediately fired from their jobs, right? So I guess that's the minimum protocol. Even even um, in some places here, you know, if you go to the restaurants, they are not allowing in unless you show the passport. So that has to stay, to be honest with you, right? That has to stay if the crowd feels safe, the players, the staff, everybody, they, they, they need to feel safe that, okay, you know, obviously we don't want the games to stop. We don't want the crowd is the big, you know, big part of any uh, football match, right? If there is no crowd, the football matches kind of, I mean, at some point become really boring, right? Uh, and we saw the effect of the home games, you know, the Brentford story, right? You know, uh, they, you know, so it, it is, I think, the minimum that they could do, right, at this point. Tom, I suppose that I'll come to you and then we'll move on to, to other topics, is that, again, I sort of make the point again, if it, if it was between COVID va vaccine passports or proof of a negative uh, test, that's another option you can show uh, proof of, compared to lockdown and no crowds at all, if it keeps football grounds open, then that's the right way to go? Well, not really? only keeping the grounds open, but keeping clubs financially stable. On, mm. uh, just on a national sort of standpoint on with the football pyramid. Uh, I mean, in Spurs' point of view, it's, it's obviously better to have the COVID passports because having a new, having just having our new stadium, we only brought in two million pounds of revenue from tickets last year. Uh, so any money coming through the door is, is, is highly welcome. And, and I know a lot of the other clubs are obviously in that same situation, which they are playing a very loose ship with their finances. Um, so reduced fans, but at least you're getting some fans in. Uh, I'm, all, I'm all for that, especially keeping the staff, the fans and the players safe. Yeah, I suppose that, I suppose there are questions about how it's going to be policed and how it's going to, I suppose how the procedure is going to work. I just point out actually, just before we move on to uh, the Champions League draw, which we're going to talk about, is that the Wolves manager Bruno Large has actually revealed that the club's players and coach staff are all fully vaccinated against coronavirus. So, uh, a fair play for him to say that in his press conference yeah. the other day. So, well done to him. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the Champions League draw, shall we? So away from COVID, because COVID is, of course, it's, there's no doubt we're nowhere near the end of COVID uh, at all, yeah. but the Champions League, let's talk about that. Um, Tom, I'll come to you first. Yeah. <laughs> we had a Champions League draw, and then we didn't have a draw, because it had to be redrawn, uh, because <laughs> of what UEFA called it, a technical fault. Tom, <laughs> doesn't that just sum up how much of a shambles UEFA are at the moment? That is pretty much the embodiment of UEFA at the moment in, in that small brief, as they, as they called it, technical fault. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, obviously I haven't been watching an awful lot of Champions League football uh, just because obviously Spurs aren't in it. Uh, however, like the, the way that they are policing policies in 
uh, in getting matches and, and the way that they're running things behind the scenes obviously isn't working correctly because they can't even seem to do a draw correctly. So, well, let's just let's just let's just point out what the original draw was for the English clubs because it's what we're specifically looking at. Although there was one big tie, um, which which must be mentioned as well. In terms of the English clubs, Manchester City, first of all, got VRAR. But of course, as you said, Tom, before we started this podcast, Manchester United got drawn twice. Uh, Liverpool got Salzburg. Uh, Chelsea got Lille. Uh, uh, of course, over two legs, Chelsea would play the home leg first. And then, of course, the, the other club in that draw, Manchester United, got Paris Saint-Germain. It was going to be a Messi-Ronaldo reunion. Uh, but that, that's now not the case because the, the draw had to be redrawn. Uh, so, Sumit, we're not going to get a Messi-Ronaldo uh, head-to-head in Paris. But Paris Saint-Germain got Real Madrid instead. That's still a big tie. But instead, Manchester United got Atletico Madrid. City got uh, Sporting uh, Club de Portugal, or those who want to call it Sporting Lisbon. Uh, Liverpool got probably a tougher draw than Salzburg into Milan. And Chelsea stayed the same. <laughs> You can lightning does strike twice. Chelsea got Chelsea still got Lille <laughs> in their round of sixteen game. So assume it. It was a technical fault. What what was your reaction to that? It's shambolic. It's it's uh, it's 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 the current state of um, UEFA in a nutshell. Um, how you can get one error after another after another, and it's live and it's globally. Everybody's watching it, right? It's just shambolic. This is this is is like a schoolboy error, and they're 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 um, they're saying that it's a technical glitch. I think it's a schoolboy error kind of thing where you know you don't have the minimum diligence to check like how can Manchester United and Villarreal um, and then Atletico Madrid and Liverpool and the same pod being there from the same group. So they're like you know three mistakes that led to the redraw. But look, coming back to the your point on some of the big games, especially for the English clubs, I think uh, PSG versus Manchester United, um, I think in the redraw, Manchester United would be um, happier of the two, given that PSG is now, I guess, in the new draw facing Real Madrid. Um, so I, I, I think United would be happier that they are not, they don't have to face uh, PSG, uh, and now they have to face Atletico Madrid, where I, I think I think United has a they have a better chance of qualifying against Madrid than against uh, PSG. So, but I, I uh, we do feel for PSG now they're facing Real Madrid and also Real Madrid, right? Because Real Madrid in the original draw they were facing against Benfica, right? And now they have to face uh, PSG. Um, so. It's, I guess the the only good part of the redraw I can see is just it's it was completely redone uh, from the start rather than you know halfway through there were some school of thought they were like okay should we do it from from where it went wrong or should we completely start from the beginning I think that was the right thing to do to completely start from the beginning and you're right Chelsea lightning strike twice you know it's a 50 50 chance and they got Liel on both occasions so uh, and good for them I think they have a you know 
definitely bigger chance of qualifying uh, with all due respect to Leo. Yeah. I think Tom, most importantly to, to, to say is that from lots of football competitions and draws we've had in the past, not just the Champions League, but here in, here in um, England, in terms of our uh, cup competitions, there are sometimes complications when I remember a couple of years ago when obviously Berry were expelled from the Football League and they weren't included in the draw. And they had to draw a certain amount of teams and try not to get it wrong. And they managed to get it right, of course. But I can't remember the last time an FA Cup draw has gone wrong <laughs> in quite, no, I, quite a while. I can't remember anything which is, is, is just came to head, like to my head. No, like, and obviously that has a far greater amount of teams. Yeah, and when it comes to the Champions League as well, I think that yeah we can have lots of conversations about how how woeful UEFA are because of course UEFA have their problems off the pitch um, with many talking points, and I'm sure there'll be future episodes in the making there. But um, one team which wasn't happy with the, with the uh, the draw, uh, and I've been looking through the pieces and, and the, the reaction to it, is that uh, Atletico Madrid were drawn against Bayern Munich, um, but they were, according to club sources, they were very frustrated at the errors in the draw that they were given by Munich, which in UEFA's rankings are effectively the strongest side in Europe at the moment. But then, of course, they got Manchester United, so they're probably unhappy uh, they're now playing United, so in terms are they of, really unhappy? Well, that's what I've seen on on the Athletic and other sources. I mean, to be honest with you, right? I mean, they have a better chance uh, against United than against Bayern, this Bayern Munich side, right? Yeah, that's what I understand. So, Tom, yeah. how how um, in terms of the English clubs, who who do you think stands the best chance of? progressing easily, do you reckon? Because I know all... all, oh, all Chelsea. Round 16 ties are always going to be hard, but you'd say Chelsea. Yeah. So you wouldn't say Liverpool, even though they got into Milan. I would. You wouldn't think that's an easy tie? Well, no, Inter is, is one of the strongest teams in Europe. You're, Liverpool, one of the strongest teams in Europe? You wouldn't think that they would... No, no, well, Lyon... Uh, again, no, no offense to Lille, um, but they are by far the weakest team in, in the last six, in the in final sixteen. And Ch- Chelsea hardly ever concede a goal, and they don't. Lille doesn't have any real striking threat. Uh, when you know, in to have Martinez, which you know, he's a threat against anything. Zuma, is that the tie of the round? Inter Milan v Liverpool, or is PSG v Real Madrid the, the tie of tie of the round of sixteen? Um, I would say PSG Real Madrid would be, you know, uh, the tie for the round of sixteen, given their, uh, you know, pedigree, the quality, you know, Messi factor, and you know. Mbappe against his future team, Real Madrid, supposedly, right? Um, so I would say PSG against Real Madrid. Um, Inter versus Real Liverpool, I think... I don't know about Inter, well, because in the previous draw, Inter was against Ajax. So they may feel like, okay, there was a chance 
but then Liverpool is uh, with no, uh, you know, all, all due respect is Liverpool is better than Ajax. Uh, so, but for Liverpool among the English teams, I think Liverpool got a slightly tougher uh, opponent in the round of 16 compared to Man City um, and uh, Chelsea. And, and United, yes, United got Atletico Madrid, but if you compare against the initial draw, I think United would be uh, happier, right? Uh, so I think Liverpool could be a little disappointed with that. Um, but if, you, if you're asking me, like, I think City will go through. Um, uh, Chelsea definitely will, surely will go through because Liel is, remember Liel was the champion last year in, in, in Ligue 1, right? Uh, and they have a fantastic striker, Canadian Jonathan David, who is actually the uh, um, leading goal scorer, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what the latest stats are. Um, but then I think Chelsea has so much um, squad depth, quality, and they're the current European champion. So obviously um, they are favorite to win that tie. So both City, Man- Manchester City and Chelsea are... Surely, you know, uh, will go through. In my opinion, Liverpool may face a tougher. They may find it difficult against Inter because Inter has some quality. They have some quality. Um, uh, Tom touched upon Lautaro Martinez, um, uh, Jeko, right? Uh, they have experience uh, defensively as well. They're very defensively, defensively also. Yes, team. That's right. Um, um, Manchester United, in my opinion. I think they are still favorite to win that tie, but just likely, just likely. And Tom, I'm going to talk about Madrid, actually, not Adesco, Real Madrid, because (laughs) I think the first draw was obviously a non-draw because it didn't, it's not going to happen. But Real Madrid uh, were drawn against uh, Benfica in the Mm -hmm. original draw. And now in the second draw, they got, drawn against PSG, obviously. And I find that quite funny, actually, because you have to spare a thought for Florentino Perez at Madrid because, obviously, the Super League bid didn't didn't get anywhere in January. Of course, they are saying that they will try and form a Super League again if they get their chance to, but they're not going to get Benfica away, which you would have thought for Madrid that would have been a pretty easy tie for them to get through obviously no ties easy but you would have thought you would have fancied Madrid to get through that tie but instead they've got to play Paris Saint-Germain of course Messi Neymar and of course but Mbappe who well, we they... all think might be off to Madrid sometime soon so well, PSG has actually been struggling with them through on the pitch mm-hmm. uh, Pochettino has been tr- struggling to find a formation to where they're able to play effectively with uh, Mbappe uh, Neymar and Messi um, so is that tech, PSG v Real Madrid is that really the tie of the round really because if you think about it Paris Saint-Germain as you said haven't been they've been faltering for quite for quite a few games now in the Champions League and of course Real Madrid are the, the fallen giants really so is it really the tie of the round I, I believe it Obviously, historically, I would say yes. Like if this was two, three years ago, maybe even last year. Um, but this year, both the teams have been struggling a little bit in their domestic leagues. Uh, they've been picking up a, like 
PSG has been picking up a, a few results recently, um, but they seem to be fine. Trying Pochettino is very much trying to still integrate Messi into his side. Um, but I, I, it's it's hard to say really. But I I don't believe that that is the tie of the realm. And Sumit, with a combined age of seventy, it would have been nice to have seen a Messi versus Ronaldo head-to-head <laughs> between PSG and Manchester United. But is it is is that really a a long gone rivalry between those two? It is two yeah. great superstars now. Yeah, it is. Um, look, um, you can still find the magic moments, right, when they produce some. Um, gems out of nothing. Um, both are proven uh, Champions League winners and superstars uh, of our generation. Um, but the legs are gone. Um, and I think both the players in their respective teams, the way they want to play, right? I don't think it's a great fit. Um, Messi, you don't expect a 34-year-old uh pressing like Pochettino would like to do, right? That's why PSG, in my book, they are still not the favorite to win this, tie, this championship. Um, similarly with Manchester United, um, although Ronaldo is producing tons and tons of goals, you will get goals from him, but then he will not, you know, um, go back and defend um, and, and, and press um, nonstop, right? Um, so, it's an it's 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 an interesting thing to monitor how the new manager in at United um, kind of fit Ronaldo in and and build the team around him. Obviously, you cannot leave him out, uh, given uh, that he's Ronaldo, right? So, to answer your question, yes, it's kind of a foregone uh, rivalry at this point. I'm going to move on uh, away from the farce of the. UEFA Champions League draw or the draw that never never was, and now a new draw. Uh, Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on Spurs because you are this is this is your first podcast, Tom. So mm-hmm. let, let's talk about Spurs actually, uh, and also something that come to my head, come to my attention, which is actually important talking point because it's about Deli Alley. Now Spurs. This is this is what the Athletic again is reporting. David Ornstein is that uh, Spurs have decided that Deli Alley is available to leave the club during the January transfer window, and we think that is most likely it's going to be a loan. Now yeah. he was in Nuno's squad at the start of the season. He was involved in quite a few games, but of course, it, at now with a new manager in Antonio Conte, it doesn't appear that he's going to be part of the Italians' plans. So Daniel Levy, uh, just a bit of context, he did refuse to let. Deli Alley leave amid interest from PSG back in 2020 and in, of course, early this year. But of course, that stance has now changed. Uh, so, Tom, we've got 10 minutes left. Um, so, we'll, we'll leave this final 10 minutes for, for Spurs. Deli Alley, um, if he does leave, which it looks like he's going to leave, what's the emotion going to be? Sadness? Um. In regards to all the, like, you know, Spurs fans as a collective or myself, sorry. I'd say both. I'd say both. I mean, for myself, um, obviously a little bit, a little bit sad as obviously Dali Ali was a big part of the Pochettino era. Uh, and that pretty much, I mean, him and Winks 
uh, are sort of the two which were you know were seen as one of some of the up and coming sort of midfield greats of, of this year, like this era of the England squad. Um, I mean, Winks has fallen out of favour, and now Deli Ali have has as well. Um, so yeah, but I think he needs a, a new, uh, some new scenery, a new challenge, and if we can give him the minutes he needs to find his confidence, as I think he, his confidence was knocked a bit by uh, Jose Mourinho. If he can go and find some form and come back, that'd be great. Um, but there'll probably be a either an option or an obligation to buy with the loan. It is, it is supposedly going to be that where he goes next, a potential club for Delhi Alley, they probably are going to be reluctant to to to, to pay the sort of money that Spurs would seek to sell. Deli Ali because he is under contract until uh, June 2024. So a temporary switch might be realistic for him. So Tom, where where would you think he, his best best place be? Where where do you think? Well, club, uh, apparently think there's to? there's been a German side uh, that has a Bundesliga side that has came and inquired uh, to Daniel Levy and Paratici for his services. Uh, in January, uh, I mean, we've seen a good few English players now sort of move over there and find a little bit of form. Uh, them being younger players as well, like uh, Bellingham and, and Sancho. Uh, obviously, Deli Ali obviously isn't sort of deemed as a young player anymore, but if he can find some minutes over there, and I think the Bundesliga would suit his style of play as well because he's quite a flamboyant player. However, I think to sort of stay at the standards of the Premier League and uh, and have and sort of fight for a hopefully to get back into the Tottenham squad if he does return from the line. I think like a side like Newcastle uh, would be very keen to have his service and experience in their squad. Suman, where do you where do you see Deli Ali next away from Spurs? Um I I think I think Bundesliga would be um a good place for him to get his confidence back and get more playtime, right? Um, and if he wants to stay in the Premier League, I think a young manager who has a track record of developing and coaching young players um, and, um, you know, kind of a, a manager who is known for man management, um, it's, I think the problem with Delhi Ali is, I think the skills are there, definitely there, right? It's what's between his two years, what's going on in the mental state, right? So I think a manager like who are known like Newcastle manager, definitely Eddie Howe, and even Brendan Rogers, who is known for, you know, developing talent, right? Would be a good place for him to go and get his confidence back. And, and who knows, um, you know, they, they have a requirement in the midfield. Uh, right now, the midfield is not performing in Leicester City, right? So Newcastle, there's a definitely a requirement, um, you know, Leicester City, those type of clubs where the managers have a proven track record to develop um, young talents and, you know, also manage their mental sta- state and, you know, um, uh, mental strength, I would say. So there, I think he should look for there rather than the big clubs. I think big clubs, he will not get a chance to, 
uh, game time as much as uh, in the mid-table clubs. And Tom, I suppose, in fact, assume it was, it was good to point that out because Kevin Barron, one of our writers for All Out Football, actually wrote in a piece uh, top five signs that Newcastle might consider signing. And Deli Alley was one of those players that, that Kevin wrote in the piece. So, Tom, I suppose we're talking about let's talk about an England player here or former England player who's a big part yeah. of that World Cup in Russia in 2018. I suppose, very quickly, Tom, it's about moving to a club to possibly get back in the England squad because we know that he's a talented player. Oh, 100%, 100%. And I mean, he hasn't even been called up for sort of the, the qualify the um, European qualifiers. He hasn't even been called up for the squad then. Uh, and there's been, you know, and again, with the Spurs, there's been a number of players like that, like Winks and Dyer, which were sort of, you know, in uh, making their way into the squad and, and Dyer playing regularly. And I guess the negativity of the Spurs changing room uh, has obviously faulted Deli Alley in some sense. Uh, and it, as as some was saying, a, a, a manager like Brendan Rogers uh, might be the, the guy he needs to sort of build his confidence and, and to be around uh, sort of, you know, like players with a winning attitude. One more thing. Can I point out one more thing? I think um, a local manager, uh, 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 a British manager, probably can help him better to regain his confidence rather than someone from outside of UK. Um, I mean, uh, he had had some um, bad spells with Mourinho, then Nuno. I don't know what was the issue, whether, you know, it could be problems from both sides, but I think a British manager can probably understand him better and help him better in terms of gaining his confidence. Agree with that, Tom? I completely agree. Um, I mean, there was always questions uh, as well. Uh, whilst um, Nuno was at Spurs with his man management, uh, a few players have came, uh, came out around the time that he um, he got fired. Uh, was that you know he was struggling to motivate the players, and it came across very visible in his press conferences. Uh, and a, a manager like um, Conte demands a lot from the players. Uh, and obviously, with Delhi being sort of uh, out of confidence, probably that pressure of of needing to perform and just sort of switch on uh, and, and perform. Obviously, in just the he was pretty much only playing the Conference League games under uh, Conte, um, being out of form and and uh, a manager demanding a lot from you probably has taken a lot out of him, uh, sort of emotionally and mentally. Interesting talking points. Wherever we, wherever he goes next, it's I'm sure any any club would would have him at the moment. He needs to get back to his best. That's the absolutely most important point to make. Yeah. But for now, Tom and Sumit, thank you for joining me on another episode of the All Out Football Podcast. Um, obviously, talking about your way for uh, Champions League draws and COVID, and we, we we snuck in Spurs for you there, Tom, uh, to talk <laughs> I appreciate about, it. Talk about uh, Tottenham. But for now, guys, thank you for joining me. Uh, don't forget that All Out Football is a football website specialising in opinion-based articles written by football fans in the UK and internationally. Don't forget to get involved and follow us on Twitter, All Out Football underscore. So my thanks to Sumit and to Tom and for thank those you. who listen. Thank you. And I'll see you for the next episode. Bye.